Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. I'm your host, Joe Marcellina from nh-highschoolsports.com. Alongside me again is Chris Hetler, head coach of the Dairyfield Boys Lacrosse Team. Coach, as always, thanks for joining. Joe, good to be back after a nice, uh, nice long weekend. Yeah, uh, and this week we are back at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua, enjoying the uh, the air conditioning here. Uh, today would not be a good day to be in the Stello Stadium press box as we were last <laughs> week. Uh, and we'll be here again next week. Uh, however, on Monday, recording the show uh, before the D1, D2, D3 semifinals. Uh, so you're going to get us a day earlier next week. So adjust your schedules accordingly. You can feel free to send us your questions or feedback at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Uh, or you can tweet at us at nhhsports. Show's available. Uh, will be available Wednesday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com or on iTunes. A uh, lot to go to this week because we are about to start the, the second season. Uh, playoff pairings were released by the NHIA this morning, uh, and we now know where everyone's going to be for sure. Uh, your, uh, any, any thoughts or any surprises from maybe, not, not surprises from last week because pretty much everything was settled going into the weekend, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe. I think we were big pretty. Picture. You know, I'm going to give us a pat on the back a little bit. I think we <laughs> were. Pre I think we had a pretty good, pretty good preview in the beginning of the season, and um, you know, there were some surprises. There were some pleasant surprises, and we'll get to those as we go through. But um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the teams we expected to be there and in close to the kind of the order we thought they'd be in. Uh, so things things kind of played out there, but the surprises were great, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting to that. Um, you know, just good to be good to be back. It was uh, it was nice to take some time off this weekend. NCAA championships were down at Gillette. I know I saw a lot of uh, a lot of NHIA kids all over the stadium, um, on the field too. On mm -hmm. the field, Merrimack with a big win there. You know, we had some Dairy Field kids playing. Just a really fun atmosphere. Um, but most of all, what I noticed when I got back to practice today is my kids were energized. They were ready to go. We gave them the whole weekend off, and it was uh, it was good to get off our feet and forget about playing lacrosse for a while, even if we were watching it. Um, and just whole total different attitude of practice today, and just guys are guys are excited to get playoffs going. Yeah, I was over at uh, Bishop Gerton's practice this afternoon as well. Um, you know, recording interviews and and, and footage for uh, the season, and um, I noticed the same thing. I mean, despite you know it being really hot, uh, especially compared to the last couple of days, you know they they for the most part seem to be really into practice and and not you know. Going at it, you know, having a, a couple of days off really made a difference. It, it seemed. did. I didn't have one guy complain about the heat today. We looked out; it's not real humid out, but it was. It was hot on the turf, and um, you know, guys were super focused. We were we were kind of reviewing stuff that we'd put in throughout the year and kind of talking about things that we need to do to be successful in the playoffs. And and guys uh, guys were super attentive attentive today, and um, just you know, they're they're chomping at the bit. They're ready to go. You know, we got a little bit of a weird week this week with uh, getting a bye. We we won't have had a game for ten days which normally, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be nervous about. But like I said, you know, I think the rest is a good thing right now. And we're going to get a little uh, scrimmage play day against uh, Bishop Girton on Thursday. So we'll get our legs back underneath us and uh, be ready to go for whoever, whoever we get in the uh, quarterfinals. You know, and you mentioned, it, you know, the heat there. And usually this is the week, if we haven't already started to get some of the really summer-like weather, it's when it starts to kick in. And that first Saturday in June, it almost seems, no matter what, it is the hottest day 
of the season. But this and that's where I, you want to be the one seed where you're <laughs> dressed in white for the rest of the season. So. You know, but I I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. I mean, looking at the forecast um, for it this Saturday, it's cloudy in 70s. Yeah, at least in, in in this area. And the long term projection, looking at you know the other the following Wednesday and the following Saturday after that, very uh, seasonably low temperatures. So. Um, you know it'll be good. Guys won't be guys won't be tired. We're gonna see some good lacrosse out there. It won't be a, a battle of attrition and you know bench depth. It'll you'll see some well as long as that forecast holds, you'll see some <laughs> yeah, good, really could, good lacrosse. Change, yeah, like. that right now for Nashua for next Wednesday, which is you know where the D two semis are, uh, it says sixty six and partly cloudy. Yeah, which is. That's but I've spent like I've spent many uh, many playoff games huddled under the the Stellos uh, stands waiting out thunderstorms. So you know things That's change in New England yeah, quickly. So yeah. we'll see. But. Um, you know, if we want to start on the on the Division One side for the boys, um, you know, a lot of the pairings are about what we expected. Um, you know, coming in uh, to the season, you know, we, we had the heavyweights. We had BG, we had Pinkerton, we had Exeter up at the top. We, you know, we thought Bedford would be competing for one of those four spots. And then your dark horse came through for you this year. I Nashua yeah, South. Yeah. Coach like, Munson getting yeah. it done, grabbing the seven seed. I will say, you know, when when the season started, and they, they started out one and six, uh, I was – questioning that uh that pick a little <laughs> bit there but they you know part of that was you know trying to fit in some new guys in some some different places and then they got thrown a, a bit of a, a curveball to start the season when when sean holland goes down you know in the first half of their first game uh they actually ended up moving not only do they have some younger kids step in um drew flurry uh joe Bodie, uh, a couple of those those younger underclassmen they also moved a defensive midi um Oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Tyler Bernard um, from his defensive mini to offense, and he had a 30-goal season for them this year. Uh, it took some time for those kids to start to, to, to mesh together, you know, and then in the last couple of weeks they've gotten Sean back. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much of a difference that will make, you know, going into to play Pinkerton. Um, you know, it's been a, a tough matchup for them, you know, for you know, pretty much since the split. Uh, I, I was very impressed with them last week when we saw them play Nashua North in that game. Um, you know, they, they've got a very strong, you know, I would say midi line to midi and a half, almost two lines of midis, all guys that can run, um, you know, big physical um, and guys that can shoot. Surprisingly, you know, they got their hands free and they were able they were able to put some really good hard shots on net and their defense was strong as well. Um, goalie goalie play was, was really solid. And, um, you know, I, I think it is a tall task for them. I mean, I'm not sure you can make up 10 to 12 goals with Sean back, but I, I think it could be an interesting game. And, um, you know, that's one to look forward to. I think the real game to watch there is, is the Bedford-Londonary game. I think if you're going to see a tight, close game or, or a potential upset where a five beats a four, you know, you've got that potential with Londonary there. Um, I think, I believe early in the season, they played to an 11-7 game. 11-6 um, Bedford, but that was, 11, I think six. it was tied going into the fourth quarter. Yep. yep. And um, so, you know, again, you know, how does Londonderry, does Londonderry feel good about the way they played the first time? Do they think they can match up? Do they throw a zone at Bedford? Um, you know, it's always interesting to see adjustments in the playoffs. And, you know, Coach Gerard, what's he thinking right now? You know, how does he approach this Londonderry team? And, um, you know, he's got a very strong, he's got a very strong defense. He's had a strong defense all year, and his offense seems to be heating up at the right time. Um, but that, that would be the game I would circle as one. If there's going to be sort of a, I guess a five meeting, a four isn't really an upset. But um, if you're going to see a close game and an upset, I think that could be the, that could be the game. I, I think that might be as close as we get this year with Division One, because, uh, you know, not to, to take anything away from, you know, Salem, Nashua South or, or Hanover, but they, you know, they all 
had um, kind of lopsided losses to the top three seeds this year. Although Hanover's loss to BG was kind of a, an interesting one in that, you know, it came the first week of the season and Hanover scored 12 goals on BG, which is the most they gave up all year. Uh, you know, of course, that game, a lot of those came in the second half after BG had built a lead, but it's still kind of interesting that, you know, they, that's going to be – you wonder how much, um, you know, has Hanover gotten better from that game, you know, and will having that kind of defensive performance, will it kind of get BG's attention, you know, instead of maybe, you know, looking ahead to next week? Oh, I think it'll get their attention, and I know the, the, the Coach Cameron and the, and, the, and the BG Cardinals, they'll, they'll prepare just like any other game for this game. They won't be looking past this game, but I, I think it's also going to be a tough task for uh, for Hanover and the fact that – and I don't, I don't think I'm letting any secret out of the bag here. Uh, Coach Gardner is uh, – will not be able to coach at that game. His, his sister is actually getting married. So, um, you know, <laughs> the, the Crusaders are going to have an even even tougher time coming down coming down and playing the Cardinals with, without their head coach uh, being able to be on the sidelines for, for a good reason there. You, your sister's getting married. <laughs> you should be able, you know, you want to yeah. be able to attend that. So yeah. unfortunate, ti unfortunate timing there. But, um, you know, uh, a really good season for Hanover. Like you said, similar to South, starting off a little bit slow, but then picking up steam as the season goes on. Um, you know, Graham Penfield with his, he's had a tremendous season there and, um, you know, he'll give, I'm sure he'll want to give everything he can with, with his, la well, potentially his last game uh, as a varsity player. Any other, uh, any other thoughts or things that we should look for, um, you know, you think in Division One? Well, just, uh, you know, I think um, I'm interested to see, uh, you know, if Exeter is able to get by Salem, you know, again, congratulations to the coach Meehan and in a phenomenal season that Salem's had with the, you know, just two great wins over Sauhegan and, and, and getting back into the ten, playoffs. And for ten wins in, ten in wins. general. I mean, that's you know, a big thing. Uh, big thing for the them. Program. But, you know, if, uh, if Exeter is able to get by that game, I, I'm interested to see the adjustments that, that Coach Holly makes to play Pinkerton again. Um, you know, uh, I w that game was, was a pretty close game for a while, and then I, I think Coach Holly kind of realized that, well, maybe we're not going to win today, not going to let all the tricks out of the bag yet and uh, save some stuff for that for that uh, potential semifinal matchup there. So that one to me would be a would be a great one to watch uh, if that matchup happens with a, a Pinkerton Exeter in the in the next round. Of course, the uh, the games that do start earliest uh, Division Two, as we, as you mentioned before, there's uh, some prelim games that take place uh, on Wednesday. Uh, four games uh, between the you know five to twelve seeds um, in the division. Of course, the top four got buys. Um, kind of the one that really interests me the most there actually there's a all four of the games are kind of intriguing um, but that uh, Winnicott and Hollis Brookline game which is the Winnicott at, at the sixth seed hosting uh, Hollis Brookline at number 11 you know you may be just looking at the, on paper say well yeah Winnicott should win that game but that was an overtime game during the when they played during the regular yeah, and season. Arguably, Hollis had a five-three lead in that game, and arguably could have won that game. Now, I, I believe Winnicott was missing a few guys in that game. I know, I believe Joe uh, Mc McDougal was not playing that game on defense. Uh, I think they might have been missing somebody else. But it was a really tight back-and-forth game that Hollis and Hollis was missing uh, Joe McDonough, coach's coach's son, in that game too. So two teams that kind of feel like if they had had all their pieces probably could have won that game. So I'm expecting a slugfest on that one as well. And I know Coach Silverio sitting there in the three seed looking at that. Those were two teams before the bracket came out that he was like, oh, man, I don't want to see that. You know, he, he penciled Hollis as a team that's going to get in that's a low seed that, 
that could potentially make a deep run just based on their defense and great goaltending and Garrett Maloney, Ryan Olson. Um, and Winnicott is just a solid, really well-coached team. Um, Coach Snow has got his defense playing really well. They can play man. They can play zone. Um, they've got timely offensive scoring. You know, they're winning. If you look at their record this year, they're, they're really adept at winning close one-goal games this year. So they're not going to be scared if they get, you know, getting into the playoffs here and, and getting, you know, getting into the deep into the fourth quarter and, and being tied. You know, they proved their medal against us at, at, at a few weeks ago, and then they turn around and, and score eight goals and almost beat Portsmouth. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a team that if I'm, I'm Coach Silverio, yeah, either one of those teams are teams that I don't want to see in the next and round. Hollis Brookline, um, you know, a team that we kind of thought was going to be potential top four. Um, but, you I mean, if you look at their, the, you know, the, their record this year, is seven and nine, five of those losses were by three goals or less. We talked about including it. Including that when it kind of won. It's the exact opposite season they had last year. If you go back to their record last year, they won a lot of those one-goal games, and they had you know they, they had a tremendous run and, and made it to the semifinals last year. And I think, you know, it, it's a mark of a well-coached team that you're in those games and you can you can get yourself into those close games. And then just you know, it's a team that's growing up slowly. You know, Coach McDonough's done a great job with those guys and a team next year to keep your eye on because they're not losing a lot um, there. They are losing some key guys, but the the depth they have underneath is going to be is going to serve them well in the years to come. But uh, yeah, that'll be. I think that's going to be an awesome game out there on the seacoast. Um, potentially coming down could be another overtime. Game. And that that one was moved to seven o'clock tomorrow night. So a night game out there. Um, but I got to imagine, I mean, you mentioned Dover not wanting to play either one of those teams, but I imagine the team that no one really wants to see at this point uh, would be Goffstown, who's, you know, fell down to the seventh seed because of two really surprising, yeah. I, I say surprising losses in the sense that they were closer maybe than, than a lot of people thought. Sure. Um, you know, they were, what, 11-3 and three going into last week, uh, and a you know, losing to at Dairy Field seven four, and then losing to Portsmouth ten to nine, and again they were after having a seven five lead going into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, my assistant coach uh, Jeff Gorton was at that game. His son Caleb plays for Goffstown, and he just said it was a phenomenal effort by Goffstown. They're playing really, really good defense right now. They didn't. There was no tricks. It's it's man to man defense. We're gonna we're gonna play as a team. Uh, we're gonna come out and punch you in the face and give us our give you your best effort. And, and Goffstown's playing with a lot of confidence right now. So the only problem, you know, if I'm Portsmouth, I'm looking at that and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know, you know, I just I just beat these guys, but now we get to turn around and play them again in a one-goal game. I wouldn't look past Coach Blaska in, in Timberlane. Um, you know, yeah. uh, Matt Licata is, is a really good player for them, and they've got some other complimentary guys that are, that are stepping up. Coach Blaska really believes in his defense right now. He believes it's one of the best defensive units he's had in a long time there. Guys are coming of age. He's got guys stepping up. Um, so again, as hot as Goffstown is, would it shock me if Timberlane won that game? Absolutely not. And um, you know, so they I, and I think that's again another really good game in, in the quarter or in the in the play-in round for Division Two. Timberlane's been kind of, you know, all over the place this year. They had that five-game winning streak earlier in the year, followed it up with a seven-game losing streak, won their last two uh, to get in. But they've been but competitive so, in just yeah, about I every was gonna game. Yeah, I say some of those. Yeah, they you know lost by one to win a kind of. Um, Five to Portsmouth, two to Keene, one to Wyndham, four to Goffstown, one to St. Thomas. So I mean, they could just as easily be, you know, knocking on the door of a top right, four right. seed if if they had, things had gone differently for them. So, you know, as a, as much as everybody, this is not going to go. to – I don't think this. I'll be very surprised if Division Two goes to chalk the way we think Division One will. I think you're going to see 
some potential upsets in here. It could, you know, you could see all the top seeds advance, but, um, you know, and then you look at the top of the bracket, you got Wyndham and Oyster River. Um, you know, it's a Wyndham team that, that has battled through a lot of injuries this year um, that's relied on the Russ brothers and Tyler Folsom uh, to continue to for, for tremendous offensive output. Um, and an Oyster River team that, that seems to be playing with some confidence right now at the end of the season. Um, you know, so that that'll be a good game there. Yeah, great to great to see that they they get in there um, after starting what zero and seven, um, finished six and one, and you know just to to you know for for purposes of building a program and just trying to build some confidence out yep. there. Coach Haley's yeah. first year doing a, doing a good job. You know, he's just he's got to build the numbers and get more kids out to the team and build some depth. But um, you know, he's got them playing well at the end of the season right now. Yeah, and in and, and talking to him last week, I, mean, I think he said he has 19 kids at this point. He started out the year, started before they started, he had somewhere in the, th you know, high 30s, I think he said, sign up. Yep. They show up, and there's like 22 kids, 21, 22 kids, and he's since lost a couple to, to injuries and other issues. Um, so they were at 19 for most of this year, yeah. and most of them are seniors, but uh, there's a, a, a younger or a um, good middle school group um, coming up in the next year or two. You know, in that game, I like I, I do I do like Wyndham at home in that game. You know, they've got a talented faceoff guy in Phil Sukalos, and Coach Young has done a great job of, of having his kids battle through adversity this year. A lot of injuries on that team, um, and just in working through uh, being a younger team after some of the guys they lost last year. That that team is is only going to get better in the years to come, especially with their uh, with their youth program they have there. And then finally, we've got we've got Keene and Kingswood. You know, two teams that we kind of, especially Keene, we kind of circled in the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I think that's a tough matchup for Kingswood having to go all the way out to Keene. You know, I don't think there's anybody in Division Two that likes traveling all the way out to Keene. You know, uh, I don't, I don't think, think there's anyone in any division <laughs> that likes to travel out to Keene. But uh, you know, they've got a great home field advantage out there. They've got a nice grass field that. You know, they uh, tend. Seems like every time we go out there, the grass has grown long, and uh, you know those guys know how to play on it. And um, so, if if Kingswood's going to win that game, um, they're going to need a, a, a tremendous effort coming off the bus there. Uh, Eric Madden would be a kid that I would circle. That's going to have to have a huge day for Keen. Um, and then, on, you know, on Keen's side, they, they've just we've talked about some of their guys this year. Marson Molesky on attack. Um, they've got a lot of guys that can fill the net. So if they're getting the ball. Um, that's going to be a, a tough, tough game for Kingswood. Yeah, plenty of games where they've um, they've been able to put up double digits. A um, couple that you know against the, the top teams in the division where they have struggled to score a little bit. And I imagine that'll be the game that uh, if you're doing any scouting tomorrow, you'll be uh, you'll be making the trip out to Keene, or because the winner you get the winner on on Saturday. Well, they can you know they they might <laughs> the world would like to know right wouldn't they? <laughs> Yes, we will, we, will, we will do our homework for that game. Um, you know, and finally, I, we, we've talked an awful lot, obviously, about my team in Portsmouth and Dover uh, this season, but um, you know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Merrimack Valley, a team that, you know, I talked about at the beginning of the season that had potential to be a top-four team, and they got it done. They started a little bit slow, had some losses early in the season, played a really close game with Central, but then um, got things rolling and, you know, finished with an 11-3 and record. Get that four, get that four seed, and, and await the Wyndham of uh, the winner of Wyndham and Oyster River. You know, it's a team that has put up, uh, you know, scoring goals at a tremendous clip, and the defense is getting better and better as the season goes on. So, you know, I think a lot of teams are looking at that Merrimack Valley team as a team that, man, that's going to be a tough out for anybody who gets to play them. And you know, if we're lucky enough to win our quarterfinal game, we're definitely going to have to do our homework there 
uh, if we play Merrimack Valley or any of those teams. So. Yeah, they uh, you were, they started out what three and three and haven't lost you know since the beginning of May. Um, Impressive win over you know after, over after oh Dover. Yep, against uh, Dover. You know. Um, you know, averaging better than 14 goals a game this year. I mean, that's uh, at times they've given up, you know, uh, um, quite a bit. But you know, if, if you're if but you're, you're able putting to that many in, that many you, in can it play that, yeah. you can play that style. Yeah. So, um, you know, a team definitely to watch as the tournament goes on on the on the D2 side. You know, and then probably the uh, the division that um, where the most was up in the air going into the last week of the season, Division Three. Um, you know, it ends up being Hopkinton, at, you know, getting the number one seed, Laconia number two, and then Pelham number three. Um, and then kind of some things happened in that last week that really shook up the standings a little bit. Um, Plymouth, come, you know, gets the number four seed, and they um, they end up hosting Trinity at number five, who came up with a big win last Thursday against Monadnock to, you know, jump up the standings. I think earlier in the week they were as low as seven or eight in the standings. Um, and that one win just kind of vaulted them up there. You know, we talked earlier this season. It's not easy to start your season with your with your starting goaltender on the injured reserve and having to play one of your better midfielders in the cage. Um, you know, so you know, kudos to Trinity. If I'm Plymouth, I'm not real happy about having to play play I, Trinity in the, in the in the opening round. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look, but we might have had that as a potential championship game yeah. matchup at the beginning yep. of the year. Yep. We said if there was going to, you know, if, if Hopkinton was going to get knocked off this year, we had Plymouth and Trinity circled. We said a lot of coaches were looking at Pelham, who's number three. So we definitely had the top, uh, we definitely had the top four right there. Um, you know, a team that we, we kind of circled as, as a new team. We talked an awful lot about Interlakes, uh, Moultonboro, and, and Co. Brown. And Co. Brown gets in with that final eight seed there. So congratulations to them. You know, a really nice season there. Um, you know, always good to see new teams get in. Yeah. And then the other... Uh, other team that had just kind of stormed to the finish was Conval, who, again, going into the week was outside the playoff picture. They, um, you know, they lost to Milford on on the 18th two Fridays ago, you know, and that kind of looked like it might have been, you know, it, that might have been it. Milford is a team they're battling for one of those last spots. They lose the tiebreaker to them, um, you know, but that just kind of was a, you know, in hindsight was a temporary setback. You know, they'd already they beat Co Brown in Interlakes earlier in the week. They come out last week and beat Trinity, Monadnock, and then put up 23 in a win over Bishop Brady to clinch that uh, clinch a playoff spot at eight, at eight and six. Um, just kind of a you know two really huge wins there, and then you know pretty good uh, offensive output that's got to give them confidence heading into the postseason. Just a, a, a you know what looks like a phenomenal job by uh, Conval. Really good job by Conval. You know, and they've. Um They've put up some, they've put up some good <laughs> scores at the end of the season here, scoring 23 against Bishop Brady, um, you know, beating a good Monadnock team. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure this is uh, going to go as chalk as, as people think. You know, if you look at that that three six match up there, that was a one goal game between uh, Monadnock and Pelham in the regular season. You know, Conval's playing really well right now. Um, I, I don't think Hopkinton's going to have a lot of problems against Cole Brown, especially, you know, a team that hasn't had that playoff experience before. It's the first time those kids are in there having to travel to Hopkinton. I think that's a big task for, for to ask them to come up with a win there. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if you saw upsets in any of those other, in any of those other games. Um, you know, Laconia, Laconia is playing pretty well. It, it, that that win they had over Keene earlier earlier a couple weeks ago really impressed me and thinks they've got on. The, you know, 
I do think you're probably going to see Laconia and Hopkinton in the finals, but um, you know that Pelham Pelham sitting down there. Anytime you've got faceoffs and goaltending on your side, I think you're going to be you're going to be in good shape there. So that that could be a, a great semifinal matchup. Pelham certainly has both of those, um, and that you know uh, for us those of us in Southern New Hampshire, it's a it's a little too bad that that Plymouth Trinity game is is at Plymouth one that that. Uh, I imagine not too many people from this area will be making a trip up there too, um, but that I mean that traditional football powerhouse versus a traditional hockey powerhouse. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's going to be <laughs> there's going to be some hard hitting in that game. I think that's going to be a back and forth, uh, action packed game there. So the fans will get what they want in that one. Of course, those um, those semifinals are, are next Wednesday as well. The quarterfinals are on Friday for them, uh, so a little bit different than um, than the other two divisions. They get started uh, well. Get started with their fi their quarterfinals a day early. Play on the um, the sixth, the semifinals up in Laconia. Of course, they're they're, in the, they're the first final on that Saturday on the ninth at two thirty. And uh, I just so so a little uh, go back in time and take a look here. I pulled up what I had on this on nh-highschoolsports.com in my preview for my my prediction, and I did actually have in the championship game Trin Trinity and Plymouth um, in my preseason uh, prediction here. So uh, I had them playing in the playoffs just uh, <laughs> two rounds too early. Uh, uh, I, I'll give myself half a pat on the back for that. There you go. There you go. Uh, any final thoughts on the uh, any of the boys' playoffs before we uh, switch gears here and take a look at uh, take a look at the girls? Well, I think it's going to be all across the board. I think there's going to be some good games. I think in the in the Division One and in, in uh, threes, I think you're going to you're going to wait a little bit. I think some of those opening round games might be. Uh, might go to chalk, and then and then after that, I think you're going to get some really good games on the D2 side. I think every game is going to be a battle. I think I think the depth in D2 this year is better than it's ever been, um, and I think that's going to show up in the playoffs. You may see all the all the top seeds advance, but I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of really close games. Yeah, that's always kind of the uh, you know the the tough thing to kind of gauge with these is yeah maybe this team or that team that's a lower seed has a chance in some of these games, but it maybe doesn't show, you know, at the end when you're just looking at it, you know, going back in, in time and looking at these things. Um, of course, the, the girls' playoffs, uh, Division One, Division Two, get started with their quarterfinals on Wednesday. Division Three follows it up on Thursday. Um, you know, in Division One, no real surprises, I think, among the top, well, I, I guess among the top eight. I know Londonderry had to win late in the week to get uh, clinch the eight seed, um, you know, but outside of that, the field's been pretty much set. Pinkerton at the one, Sauhegan two, Bedford three, and BG four. BG's got a kind of an interesting game op to open it with number five, Merrimack. Um, but I think the the one that uh, will stand out is that number six, Exeter, at number three, Bedford, to, to open the playoffs. I think out of all the teams, though, that Exeter could have drawn, if you look at, you know, Exeter loses to them early in the season, 17-9. You can say, okay, it was early in the season. Exeter's played, Exeter's played all the other teams really close. Um, so that probably is the one game they did not, the one team they did not want to see. Um, but, you know, it's a new season, and, you know, I think Exeter's got to take the confidence that they've had all season long playing those other teams and roll into it knowing that, you know, all the other teams have, have beaten or played Bedford to really close games, so why can't we? You know, I think that's the attitude they have have to have coming into that game they, if, if we're going to see an upset. And they, they've got to have a little bit of confidence coming in, too, with the week they had last week playing um you know the top two teams in division two um beating portsmouth by two and uh i know they were 
up at some at one point against Winnicott, and then Winnicott came back and won that one by one. So I mean, two. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Bedford, I, you know, that's the only problem with Exeter doing that last week is now they are not sneaking. Yeah, they are not yeah. sneaking up on anybody. You, you know, anytime you beat a uh, a well coached Mary Squire team from from Portsmouth. And then turn around and almost knock off Winnicunit, who looks like they're gonna they're gonna give Portsmouth a, you know a run for their money. Um, you're no longer gonna sneak up on anybody. So, uh, so that one, you know, I, I think maybe the first round we might kind of know it, that one. I would expect the top four seeds to to advance, um, and then after that, it's I, I think you could pick a name out of a hat. I think it, well, the interesting thing is I think it comes down to coaching at that point. When one goal games, you know, what adjustments do you make in the playoffs? What do you tell your girls? How do you how do you uh, approach those games differently? You know, how much scouting are you going to do? Uh, you know, was it draw control last time? Was it your defense, goaltending? What was it that that caused you to not be able to pull out that one goal win? Or what did you win? What did you take away from that game? What did your team learn from that? And how do you approach this game differently? Um, I, I mean, you look at you look at the the games between those top four seeds, and they were, I believe, they were all one goal games, with the exception, surprisingly, of Pinkerton and Sauhegan, which Sauhegan won by seven, which compared to the others, that's kind of a blowout. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, tough to say that, but but you know, in, in comparatively. So I mean, I I don't. I mean, I guess it's who. I mean, as long as Bedford, as long as Bedford advances and Sauhegan advances, I'm excited for that one. That was a great game. <laughs> it was time. that was a phenomenal game, and uh, you know, two well-coached teams that are going to go at each other uh, again, and you know, potential overtime game, you know, coming down to the wire. Um, you know, I believe you were at that game, weren't you? Yeah, it was at time? that game. It, um, you know, what did what did you it, see? It, what did you see coming to that? Was it draw control? Was it face off? Well, that's the it, thing. Was it that was the weird thing was, was that was that Bedford won a good majority of the draws they just weren't able to capitalize on all of them they you know they, you know Sauhegan's defense played well enough to you know limit them to turn you know maybe one shot and getting the ball back um, turnovers and then Sauhegan made the most of its opportunities and then they won draws when they had to win draws like um, you know Bedford tied the game late I think it was 8-8 and right on that draw Sauhegan won it went bang right down the field scored I want to say like 15 seconds later to make it 9-8 Bedford comes back you know and ties it and then Sauhegan wins the opening draw and scores 12 seconds into overtime you know to, to, to end that so it's kind of it, it was an interesting game where there were long stretches of no scoring followed up by you know back quick, quick back and forth yeah yeah um, and it was you know the couple of times that I've seen Bedford this year they seemed to play a little bit more of a physical game than you know most people might be used to seeing in in the girls game um you know they i've heard in earlier games that they've picked up uh, you know a few cards um in that game they had a couple including one in the last minute and a half of regulation so they were actually uh a man down score so you know, I'm, on that coaches, I'm, like, I'm looking at who my refs are for that <laughs> game and, and seeing how do they how do they how, how we how they've been for uh, us this yeah. season well the other one with that one too that. was they actually had three refs for that game uh which you know isn't typical for a regular season game um i like to you know i like to joke that that's that's when you know you're at a big game is when there's three refs there uh, and that goes for lacrosse and basketball. Uh, I know on the bo I know on the boys' side that's becoming more and more common. Where um, you know Bill Ball out at Exeter, who does our who does our assigning, he he's very open to that. You know, if he if if you contact him, he's very open to 
it's more we you also have to get your ad to uh to pay for it too but <laughs> but uh yeah i think it's fun having i having three reps at a game it, it really does it, it, it makes the atmosphere feel much more like a playoff game and a, a big game it's so, a li- yeah it is a little bit it, it has a different um you know sometimes when you do that for basketball it can almost slow things down uh i i like you know i i think that sometimes if one ref isn't making enough calls he almost feels like he's got to jump in there and make a call but I don't you don't tend to notice that as much uh, I think on the boys side it actually helps just to keep all the refs on the same on the same page and they 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 sort of feed off each other and they work together and it just keeps everybody actively involved and if one guy's if one guy's slipping a little bit they tend to help each other up and and uh, you know in the communication that I've found in the playoffs has been excellent among refs like they really get together and, and talk about the calls and you know, make sure that the calls are right. And that's in a big game, that's what you want. Even if it doesn't go in your favor, you want to make sure that the, the reps are communicating and see what they see. So, um, you know, to finish up on the girls' girl side, I, I think if it goes to chalk and we get the top four seeds advancing, at that point, I think it's anyone's tournament. Um, you know, we've talked an awful lot about how Coach D'Ambrose, you know, what is her approach with, with Bishop Girton and the Cardinals as they come in? You know, having lost so many close games, that can go either way. You know, in a team's mindset, you know, you can you can fall into that "woe is me" trap and like, oh, we're gonna, here we go again. We're in another close game in the fourth quarter. You know, who's who's gonna mess up? You know, and they, so I I know I know her and I know the way she approaches her team and all the team building that she does. I'm sure she's working on that mindset to 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 create more of a winner's mindset and say, nope, we're in this game and we're gonna win it in there. So. I, that, that's another game. If Pinkerton and BG play each other, th- those are going to be two phenomenal semifinal matchups that we could we could see there on that side of the the bracket. You know, as much as we kind of expect those four to be, and I think in Division Two you look at it and it's even more so. Um, I think it's a winner kind of Portsmouth final. Um, you know, based on what we se- saw in the regular season. You know, John Stark, Hollis Brookline, Wyndham. I don't Oyster think River Portsmouth will look you know, past John Stark, given the game uh, that they had with them early in the season. Right, I think they right. were tied, you know, late in that game, and then and then uh, was it, it was ten seven final something. It was like close. That. It, it was, was something close. like that. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I I think Portsmouth won't overlook that, and um, you know I think uh, you know Winnicunit on paper has, has maybe the easier road to the finals, but again, yeah, I, I would agree with you. It's a little bit top heavy there. And I, I think you're most likely going to see another, another shootout, another close game uh, between two Seacoast rivals and Winnicott and Portsmouth there. So what was that last year's final? I think it was a one goal, one goal. No, I think Portsmouth won by a couple, won by, a couple. Uh, by a couple of goals, but it was close for a while yeah, and Portsmouth kind of pulled away. Of course, Winnicott's only lost this year to Portsmouth nine, seven earlier in the season and Portsmouth, lost three games this year all three of them to division one teams so undefeated against you know division two competition um but you're right that that portsmouth john stark game was a close one um when it kind of you know beat both uh hollis brookline and Wyndham, it's two potential semifinal uh opponents pretty handedly during the regular season um so yeah like you said you know that may may make you think that it's an easier path um you know, but but everything of course, anything tight, can everything happen. Everything gets yeah. tighter in the playoffs. Well, and then Portsmouth has an interesting first-round matchup getting um, Hanover in the first round, who you know gave itself a pretty tough schedule this year, finished 9-8 and eight and is the seventh seed and probably not the seventh seed that uh, most people you know expected. Um, I believe they played during the regular season here, if I can find it. 
help if I had, was looking I, at the I right. Agree, uh, I agree, right though. Line. I think that's <laughs> Portsmouth. If you if you look at the two two top seeds there, I think Portsmouth definitely drew drew the harder of the two games. Yeah, they they played played Hanover twice. A, yeah, and both uh, six goal games. Yeah. Yep. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do think I do think it'll end up being Winnicott and Portsmouth, but you know, if there's a potential upset to be had, could happen in the bottom bracket there w w on Portsmouth's side. And in, uh, of course, in Division Three, um, you know, kind of an, an I think we might have touched on this a little bit, you know, last week that the you were potentially looking at the defending champion finishing with ten plus wins, and um, and you know, um, coming in as the eighth seed uh, in with you know with Kearsarge, but they end up eleven and five, moving up to once again the sixth seed where they were last year. Very comfortable uh, in that sixth seed. Uh, yeah. So maybe 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 the best thing for them that they're um, you know in that spot again they know they can win from there. Um, challenge themselves challenge themselves during yeah, the regular yeah. season. You know, a senior laden team, a lot of girls back from that team that won a year ago. They do have a new goaltender, um, but other than that, you know, it's got to be a very confident group. Um, that bottom bottom of the bracket there with Hopkinson, Bo, Kearsarge, and even Guilford, um, you know, that that's going to be a tough bottom bracket to get out of. Um, you know, but I think if you were, if you're on paper, I think, you know, you definitely, um, Bo has been good this year, but I, I think, I think Kearsarge and, and Hopkinson have to be the favorites to make it to the semifinals. It's weird, weird to say that a favorite would be the road team there, but just with the experience that Kearsarge has, I, I, I like them coming, coming in to play Bo. And it, Kearsarge won that regular season meeting 12 to two, um, probably about three or four weeks ago at this point. Uh, you know, they had other big wins this year, too. Um, you know, beating Pelham, beating Laconia. Uh, they you know, lost to Dairyfield twice, but the second time around was a one-goal game. Actually, their last loss, going back uh, May 4th. Um, you know, and, and you know, Dairyfield built the number one seed again, um, but with an interesting first-round matchup against Conval, who they only beat by a goal during the regular season. Actually, just um, not much more than a week ago. Yep. You know, close game. Another another close game. They've had a few. They've had a few close games this year. You know, they they lose by one to Hopkinton, but then they've had some great wins over Kearsarge and Laconia. Um, you know, I was at that Laconia win or uh, win a few weeks ago. Um, really impressed with Laconia, to be honest with you. Um, not that I'm. I, I love my Dairyfield girls, but um, I was I was really impressed with the, the way Laconia came into Dairyfield, um, dominated dominated draw control for a lot of that game. And uh, without the play of Shauna and Nett for Dairyfield, um, you know, Laconia could have walked out of there very easily with a win. So that's one that potentially, you know, down the pipe, if Laconia is able to get past, you know, again, a good Pelham team, um, that's going to be a tough matchup for Dairyfield uh, in the semifinals there. Um, you know, and then, um, you know, Hopkinton's had a very good season, you know, uh, beat Dairyfield during the regular season by one at Dairyfield. Uh, not easy to do. Our girls don't often lose at home. Uh, especially on turf, so um, you know, setting up for for a great uh, Division Three final as well. I, I think an, a great playoff all around. I, I, you know, I'm really excited to see what kind of unfolds over the next. Uh, unfortunately, only ten days. It's about. It's probably the quickest. Feels like one of the quickest turnarounds in terms of of playoffs. So, if you had to put your best bets on things, you know, if you look across all the all the divisions, 
you know, as we talked about, I think there's a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of great games and a lot of good parody. But what would what would you say are kind of if if not locks, but your if you had to put if you had to put your best bets on things, what what would you say? What would you expect to see? Well, I I mean, I think the first thing you go to is the Division One boys. It's you know, Absolutely. BG Pinkerton. Um, I would be more surprised if that wasn't the matchup. Um, you know, not just because it has been for the last what four or five years. Um, you know, BG's been in the final the last thirteen years. Um, you know, but outside of that, well, I think a lot of people would say, you know, Dairyfield boys are going to be in the final. Um, you guys have been there, what, the last three years in Division Two, and then and then in Division Three. In Division Three, you know, I think that's you know, if I was going to pick a team in Division Two that had the best chance of getting there, I'd, I'd probably go there. Um, you know, hard to pick against Hopkinton. Hard to pick uh, against boys. Hopkinton with, with what I, they've done this yeah, season. Absolutely. Um, which, you know, like we, I think we talked about them earlier in the year, not really knowing how good they were going to be because of what they lost. But, you know, they had a lot more returning than we, we, we thought. Um, I'm going to put you, know, you on, I'm going to put you on the spot oh right boy. now. What are you going to oh. go with on Division One girls? Division One girls? Well, maybe I don't, you know, I was, I was trying to find here what I picked at the beginning of the season. Um, and I don't, you know, maybe I'll stick with that. Uh, I had at the beginning of the season, Sauhegan beating uh, BG in the final. You know, you still you know, that's, and that's exactly what I was going to go with. I, I think BG, I think BG is due. I think, uh, I think, I think they're going to win a couple. I think they're going to win a close game in the semifinal, and then I think uh, they're going to find themselves in the final. And I just, I like Sauhegan's experience. I like their overall depth in the playoffs. There, I think the refs are going to keep it, keep it a little bit tighter in the playoffs. Uh, and I, li I like Sauhegan and, and Bishop Curtin in the finals. But would it surprise me to see Pinkerton in Bedford? Of Absolutely course not. not. Of course not. I think, though, you know, going going back to what you, your original question of, of what's maybe the, the safest bet outside of, of BG, BG Pinkerton Pinkerton. and the boys, I think that Division Two girls, um, Portsmouth win a kind of in that final. I, I think that's, um, you know, it, that would be a bit of a surprise, too, if one of those two teams doesn't get there. So now we've given now we've given uh, fodder a lot for of all the other oh yeah, all yeah. the bulletin board material for oh, all the other. I think teams we've been doing that for for uh, <laughs> quite a few weeks this year. At least I, you know, maybe 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 not. I hope we. I hope. Uh, no, I I think uh, you know I do actually you know actually if we have to give a, uh, a retraction or or a uh, mea culpa, I think I think we owe Josh Lewis an apology from Boston <laughs> uh, for for a team that for a team that has finished you know uh, in in the you know in the upper echelons of D two going from we we. You know what, Josh? I apologize. We, we, we didn't even you. mention we, him in the D2 preview, did we? Season, and yeah. we shouldn't have. You guys have a phenomenal team. You came into our place and gave us everything we could handle. And, uh, you know, just uh, a tremendous job out there by, by Coach Lewis this season with, with his team out there. So, Of course, uh, like as we said, playoffs get started on Wednesday um, with the D2 boys prelims and D1 and D2 girls quarterfinals. Uh, you, of course, can keep up with uh, scheduling up at uh, nh-highschoolsports.com uh, or at, you know, nhia.org under the tournament page. Uh, I'll be trying to update as much of that, you know, as quickly as I can uh, throughout the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, you know, we'll have some playoff coverage, um, you know, coming up. Of course, we'll be there at um, for all three championship games on that, that uh, June 9th Saturday to end the season. And like I said, we'll be back Monday of next week to kind of update us on where we're at, and then we'll wrap up the season. Um, I'm guessing probably the 12th or 13th uh, of June, so in about two weeks. Um, Coach, once again, thank you for uh, 
taking the time and, and, and covering a lot of ground. We I think we hit on pretty much every game going, pretty much going hit forward on every here. Game, fired up, ready to get this thing going. You know, uh, we talked about it looks like the weather's going to cooperate with us. I mean, I think we're going to see some great lacrosse over the next next two, three weeks. Sure hope so. He is uh, Dairyfield coach Chris Hetler. Uh, I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening.